Hey there, welcome to the Side Press Podcast, a brand new podcast by some two schmucks who like Final Fantasy way too much and got bored during quarantine. My name's Luke. And I'm BJ. And we don't know what this is, but we're going to try and entertain you for an hour plus. Uh, how you doing, BJ? I'm not too bad. Uh, I worked all week, so I'm kind of tired, but it's Friday, so, you know, party time. Fair enough. Uh, you work, it's like the leather stuff though, right? Yeah, it's it's like furniture and car seats, just like repairing and redying those. So I'm constantly dirty and covered in dye. I going to say better than having to do dish every single day. Yeah. Coming home soaking wet and smell like dried chicken. <laughs> it sucks. You don't like the smell of dried chicken? I don't know why I said dry, I meant wet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing dish and I meant wet chicken, but still. Yeah, that's pretty gross. Yeah. So, this is going to be a podcast where me and BJ talk about video games and, you know, other nerd stuff. We might even get into comics, movies, whatever else, but the baseline is video games. Both me and BJ like video games enough that we felt, hey, quarantine's got everybody kind of, you know, bored, doing nothing. Trying new hobbies. Yeah, might as well try something. So, this is going to be, hopefully, uh, entertaining. Uh, If not, cool. I mean... You don't got to listen, but we'd appreciate it. Yeah, greatly. So uh, I guess was to start, um, BJ, how did you get into video games and why are they so important to you? So both my parents were gamers, actually. So by the time I was born, we were like living in my grandparents' house and they had like a Sega Genesis, an NES and an N64 over there. Um, and the first video game that I'd ever played was Sonic 2 on the Genesis. Great game. Yeah, fantastic. But, uh, from there it just kind of spiraled out into a life of escaping into other worlds, I guess you could say. But I've been in it for as long as I can remember. What was your, uh, first experience? My cousin, uh, had an N64. And I remember watching her play Super Mario 64 and going oh that looks cool and then she left for like a day to hang with her friends and i snuck into her room plugged that thing up and the first game that was in there i didn't know but it was ocarina of time oh man so and i i remember the only thing i remember was i was at the hyrule castle gates and i just walked around the moat and i was like this game looks so real (laughs) Because, like, yeah, at the time, I was like, yo, like, look how big the castle is. Look at the character, everything else. And uh, then I, I, I said, all right, I want to play the Mario game. So I took Ocarina of Time out, put in Super Mario 64. And thankfully, that game had multiple files. Mm. So I went to the one that said new and just started. And she was gone for, like, most of the day. So thank goodness for that because I got to start probably up to, I want to say, again, I was a kid, so I didn't get very far. But I, I want to say it was the the... Dire Dire Docks. Oh, no. man. Wasn't that the first one? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the first water level. That I think that's the first water level in that game. But what a great way to start. And also, if you did get to Dire Dire Docks, be immediately traumatized in the whole experience. Dude, that eel scared me. <laughs> like, I was just like, oh, okay, the stars in there. Oh, my gosh. The fact that they brought that eel back in Mario Odyssey is just, like, so triggering to me. Nothing, nothing is as scary because I, I have this innate fear of like sea creatures to oh, the yeah. point where it's bad. Like, so the Mario Sunshine level where there was like the goat, you got to go deep down mm-hmm. and clean that eel's teeth terrified me because I was like, yo, what if it eats me though? Like what else is hiding in here? That terrified me. 
So I actually have a similar story to that. The first time I watched Pokemon the movie 2000, and they show that scene where Lugia is like in that underwater current, that terrified me as a child, and it still terrifies me to this day. It brings me to a story also. Uh, me and one of my best friends, Jonathan, uh, we had uh, we had went to Goodwill with his mom. Mm-hmm. And she we were just kind of going around. And I was moving through the movies, you know, because, you know, I don't care about, like, clothes and whatever else they had there. Right. I found a VHS copy of both the first Pokemon movie and the second one. So nice. I was like, yo. So I picked them up, got them. And then me and, my, me and Jonathan got into, like, an almost fist fight, like, almost fought each other over the Mewtwo strikes back and uh thankfully his mom was on my side and she was like (laughs) he found it so he needs it and I was like yes so worked out in my favor but yeah that that was the Pokemon movies are great like I remember it was it was Mewtwo strikes back was it 2000 or 2000 was the one with Lugia and the legendary trio and then after that, it was the Entei movie where Entei thought he was a real boy. I'm a real boy, Dad. <laughs> and then he just kidnapped a little girl. <laughs> See, that's not cool in 2020. Entei, you gotta... That's a big no. Entei kind of sus. Dog, I'm not gonna lie. I think I saw Entei vent. <laughs> All right. So... So you pretty much started with like Sonic, like Sonic was the the big key for you. Yeah, I I regret to inform all of you that I'm a huge Sonic fan. I'm definitely that kid that was in the Sonic the Hedgehog forums as a child, and it just I've never recovered, honestly. But I love it. Would you say you were pretty close to how Sammy Classic Sonic fan acted with Sonic news and Sonic stuff? Dude, no lie, I actually emailed Sammy Classic Sonic fan. <laughs> The first time I saw that video, and I was like, dude, you're completely right. And I didn't, oh man, I don't want, it was awful. I didn't think it was wrong. I didn't see anything wrong with the video at first. I was a hell child. The problem I think I have is that, like, both of us were so deep. Yeah. That it got bad. Like, I I remember watching, like, AMVs with, Um. like, (laughs) with, like, the most edgy rock song with like, oh, but it's Shadow the Hedgehog. He's so cool. <laughs> Dude, I, I'm i glad I don't have the email attached to my old YouTube account anymore because it would all just be Son Amy. Speaking of old YouTube. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> so, Luke and I, we've talked about making content together for years. Um, and our first foray into this was when we were in middle school. Our parents were doing a Bible study every Wednesday night and I had this terrible old laptop that you could record video on, which was revolutionary to us. So we decided to make a prank channel with our friend KC and I'm pretty sure it's been deleted by now, but it was very hardcore cringe. How old were we? Oh man, we couldn't have been more than 14 it feels like I was younger than you guys. You definitely were. You were like a... Well, I was I was older than Casey. You're older than me. It's so weird that I'm older than Casey and you're older than Casey, but me and Casey are in the same grade. Well, since I got held back in like... I want to say it was... 
it wasn't kindergarten. I think it was pre-K because I had a, uh, I had ADD before they knew like really what ADD was. Right. And so I'm sitting here like I can't pay attention. I don't know what's going on. So like well, he needs another year. We just give him another year. So that's always a fun thing. It's like oh I was held back. Like yeah pre-K. <laughs> <laughs> well, long story short, uh, we're not cringe anymore. Doubtful. I still buy Sonic comics, but <laughs> I have a Son Amy shrine in my <laughs> closet. Yeah, my closet is nothing but Son Amy and um, my Chemical Romance posters, just for those AMVs. Hey, dog! Black Parade's a great album. You can shut your mouth. <laughs> I mean, I'm not disparaging it. I'm just saying, when mixed with Son Amy fan art, kind of cringe. <laughs> All right. <laughs> this all cringy sonic history aside um i guess one thing I, I did want to bring up was we want i guess we want to try like to make this not just a podcast and not just um i don't know like this oh just a simple podcast we do every week we wanted to do other stuff because i i'm i've especially recently i've been really big into like video essays and critiques that like last for four hours that deep dive and everything. And that's been a big interest to me. Both B and BJ watched let's plays enough that we figured we could do it better. Or at least, I don't know about better on par. <laughs> We're, We're going to be game grumps out of the gate, dog. Okay. To be fair, they had an audience ahead of time. That's true. John Tron had his reviews and Aaron Eagle Raptor was an animator. Just while we're on the subject and I'll never bring this up again unless I have to. Um, if this ever gets to John Tron, I want him to make Malkovich three. Um, if you are a big John Tron fan and you're aware of the Malkovich videos, uh, let me know because I love them. I think the last John Tron video I saw was the workplace safety one. Workplace safety. He's, he's obviously he's, he doesn't do video games like at all anymore. It's, it's just now like commentary on stuff, mm -hmm. but he did like a, a reaction to uh, the workplace like safety videos and how like awful they were. And uh, I think that was the last, cause I, everybody's seen flex tape. Yeah. But like, I think that's the one that I've like actually watched when it came out. Cause everybody like it blew up. Mm -hmm. But like the last one I think that I watched like actually with him was uh workplace safety. I think the last most recent video I saw of him was the uh, flex tape revisited thing that he oh, the did. Part two. Yeah. With Phil Swift. Okay, I, I we definitely need to get back on track, but Doug Phil <laughs> Swift, what a legend! This I, man, absolutely. This man will just go on. Like I love his Instagram because it's just full of him, like being just wholesome, but all at the same time, like there's something up there. Phil Swift is an extra planner being. Oh no doubt. But, but yeah, um, so what what do you kind of see for like the future of what we do and kind of? I mean. <sighs> I don't have like a set roadmap for us. I just, I would like to keep doing things that we think are fun and just continue it that way. As long as we're still having fun with it, I want to keep doing it. Yeah. I think like I said, like reviews, let's plays. We had an idea where, uh, me and BJ do like a dual let's play where we, we play a game that the other person hasn't played mm -hmm. and kind of take the back seat so that kind of would be fun. I think 
think we had a confirmed like Mass Effect for you in the Telltale Batman series for me. Yes. If if we do it, that would be kind of where we go with it. Yeah, I mean, I love watching people play video games that I love for the first time. So, I mean, I'm sure that's got to be a feeling that a lot of people like. Definitely, too, that you. it also would make sure that, like, okay, you kind of get, like, help. Because there's some games that I've played yeah. that, like, I, I have no idea what I'm doing. But if someone knew and they go, okay, let's just, like, nudge you here. Right. My sister actually was recently playing uh, Jedi Fallen Order for the first time. Great game. She's never seen any of the Star Wars movies, and she recently just became interested. So we marathoned all the movies. Um, she's seen Mando Season 1 and all the spinoff movies. So now we're about to watch Clone Wars and then Rebels. And she also just played this game. <clears throat> but there's a part in the game where... Um, you have to go through this training by Jaro Tapu, and you have to like platform for a while. And it takes you to a point where there's platforms, and then it has you looking at a wall, but the wall only subtly changes to where there's holes in it. So your natural instinct is to jump at the hole and crawl through it. But apparently what you're supposed to do is grab the wall next to the hole and when I was playing it, that took me like four hours to figure out. But for her, I could be like, hey, that wall, you can grab it. I had the same problem because like, I remember going like, oh, yeah, there, go there. And I just kept jumping, falling, jumping, falling. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, I'm missing something. And I think I think I, I caved and just went, okay, YouTube. Yeah. And had to figure it out that way. I think I just kept jumping and grasping at random things. But, um... Yeah, so I don't think we got into this yet. The reason that we actually started the podcast, um, we had both played Final Fantasy VII. Luke played it first, and then I was still sore at Square Enix for making Kingdom Hearts three. So I was like, can I just borrow your copy? Because I don't want to give them my money right now. I borrowed it for about a week's time, and I was so reluctant to give it back. I'd never been so sucked into a game before. And we talked about it for like a week straight hours on end. And then we just came to the conclusion that we should just have a podcast to talk about this. So this has been it. We've been trying to do this podcast since roughly April and finally it's here and we're probably going to do an episode strictly about final fantasy seven remake because we can talk about that for hours. When remake two comes out, you guys are going to hate us because it's going to, just ruin the whole podcast with memes and waifu talk and everything like that. Let's be real. It's Tifa. I mean, yeah, it's Tifa, but like, <laughs> you know, Barrett's got to get some love on there somewhere. Yeah, I, I'll give you that. Bar- Barrett, close second waifu. I'm sure Sid's going to be a good waifu too when he shows up. Sid hits his waifu. Well, I mean, <laughs> that just proves that he needs a new one. Uh, but no, it it was actually really interesting because for me, it was kind of that, that same boat of uh, when, you know, like what we were talking about of like seeing someone else play your favorite games right. is I had played the game first and then texted BJ because I knew, okay, he's a square head, so I know he'll like this stuff. I'm like, yo, you got to play it. He's like, I don't know, man. I just, oh. So I it was finally like, all right, here, borrow it. And the whole time I was texting him like, dog, where are you at? What part did you get to? Did you get, like, how far are you in the game? Because I wanted to know his reactions to, like, key moments. And it would be like, oh, I just got to, to Nightmark. And I'm just like, oh, he's so close. 
or like, oh, I, ju- I just got to, um, oh, there's so much that I'm like blanking on. I was like, oh, I, ju- I just met Barrett or, oh, I, ju- I just got to meet, like, I went to Sector 7 or, oh, I just met Aerith and we're at her house or like in like all those things. And it was always just me texting going, oh, dude, you, I was like all those like cringy, like ads you see, like you won't believe what happens next. <laughs> Cause oh, I was so excited just to hear his talk. And then like, I, I remember the day, like the, the moment you text me going, dog, I just beat the game. And I was like, yo, what'd you think? <laughs> and it, that was, I think the first like long conversation we had about it. Cause I want to say it was like late at night too. And it was most of these were at like four and five in the morning. But I remember coming back over here to return the game, and we just talked for like four hours about it. And I was like, I had shit to do, but I just stood there talking about this awesome game. It's so good, like, and that's that's why we want to make a podcast because if if we figured if we can talk for four hours about a JRPG that is a remake, but not really, then we could probably talk about every game in existence for at least an hour. Yeah, we have good things to say, in my opinion. We also probably have some hot takes. I I could guarantee yeah. you I have hot takes about certain series. Mr. Xenoblade 2 hater. Alright, look. That game has too many waifus. That game is literally just, okay, how much fan service can we fit into this game with with the dumbest main character? I want to point out Rex, when you compare him to Shulk. Well, yeah, when you compare him to Shulk, but when you compare him to any other anime pro tag, it's like he fits right in. That's my problem with anime right now. <laughs> not not that big a fan of what's going on now. Yeah. Every, every every main dude is stupid that he can't even figure out his own his own thing. Yeah, that's a that's a big problem with seasonal anime. You got gay story, um, isekai number eighty seven, and idiot main character slice of life and and all of those is harem yeah lots of harem going on it's just like can i just get like a nice sweet wholesome man like i think that's why i like the again tangent but uzaki chan because mm-hmm. it's literally just a dude and a girl just having fun like they're literally just going to the beach going to sing karaoke and she teases him like calling him a loner and like all this stuff and it's just nice and wholesome and like i've loved it just because yeah it's it's so not what everybody else is putting out that it's like it felt like it's not new, but it felt like a breath of fresh air of just like, oh, I'm not having to deal with uh, the most overpowered hero of all time and then his plethora of women who want to date him and more. It's like, oh, it's just two friends just hanging out and experiencing college together. Yeah, that that can be really refreshing. Uh, I feel like there's a lot of that in games too. Like when you can just chill out and play a game for a while and not have to worry about 87 side missions and it's just a fun experience. Like, I think that's why Minecraft is so big. Like it's, you don't have to like, there's yeah, there's objectives, but like, I'm just going to go build. Yeah. Like it has the widest appeal of any game ever made. So Minecraft, Steve smash. I don't know how to feel about it, man. He seems really overpowered. (laughs) Of all the characters to be overpowered too, like right? he can build. Like I don't. Did they say the limit to how much he can build, or was it like? I think it's like three to four, but still, his edge guard game is insane because of that. You got the lava, the magma block, the piston, the infinite combo. Yeah, I I love that. Like you can just mine. Mm-hmm. So like, 
I think it'll be very interesting. I think one-on-ones are going to be interesting to see, but like if you're definitely doing a full four party, you just kind of move on over by yourself, do some quick mining, get the diamond sword, and then go off. Yeah. But but nobody plays 4v4. Yeah, you're right. I'm, I'm Unless just... we're talking uh, pro Smash players and middle schoolers. <laughs> that was probably a bit too soon. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> All right. So, we did have a topic today uh, for our first one. We figured, you know, get to know us, all that kind of jazz. Um, I last minute texted BJ, hey, get your top five video games of all time. I did tell him in order, but then we kind of scrapped that idea because it's too hard, man. The order changes constantly. Yeah. So, um,. I figured, how do you want to do this? Do you want to go, you go through all your five, or we go through just one at I a time? I think we should do one at a time, take turns, and we can discuss evenly. Okay. So you want to go first, or should I? Uh, I'll go first. All right, BJ. Um, so since I'm a weeb, this is a probably pretty easy guess for you. Is it Xenoblade? It's not Xenoblade. Oh. Uh, it's Birth by Sleep. Really? Yeah, top five. Best Kingdom Hearts game. 358 has questions for you, but go ahead. Uh, 358 can shut its mouth. It got turned into a CGI movie. I'm still <laughs> salty about that. We, well, like we both have problems with Nomura. That's my biggest one. Yeah. Um, they really shafted Xion in three, but we're not getting into that right now. Uh, There's a podcast episode. <laughs> Justice for Xion. But um, <laughs> my big thing with Birth by Sleep is just like it took itself so seriously, even though it was ridiculous. And I just love it when they do that with kingdom hearts, because it's like, we all know what this is. We don't have to front. It's anime boys, anime, pretty boys and Mickey mouse. Exactly. And sometimes Mickey takes his shirt off. I was weird. Yeah. Like I'm gonna be real with you. Like I get it. He's already technically not supposed to have a shirt on. Cause you know, the, I guess the weird red pants, but like still, like when he's wearing like buckles and leather and like a hood. Yeah, when he's got eighteen zippers that don't lead to anything, like I I will say about Birth by Sleep, like the thing that I loved and I wish more games did was the three playable characters and they each had a story. Yeah, I I really liked that and the fact that they all had pretty distinct play styles um, adds a lot of replayability for me. Say Aqua was the, in my opinion, the hardest one because hers was more like magic and like, you know, use your abilities more often because mm-hmm. you, you ran magic builds, whereas Terra was just swing the Keyblade as hard as you possibly can. And Venz was like, he has power, but he's fast. Right. Aqua was always the like, well, I can't really hit with my Keyblade because my Keyblade's not good, but it's got heavy magic like bonuses. Yeah. And Aqua so- is the shot lock campaign. I see that's why why my first run through that game I didn't like it because I just refused to use Shotlock off principle oh, for whatever man. reason. And then I I played it again and realized my mistake. Yeah, Shotlock will win the game for you, bud. Oh yeah, like especially like Shotlock is the only way to beat some bosses, like honestly. Yeah, for real. I I love that Birth by Sleep 2 is like the first level because originally, obviously before before Dream Drop Distance happened. Mm-hmm. 
Birth of Sleep was the first kind of idea we got of like, okay, what is Kingdom Hearts? What is right. like the lore of everything? And now the lore's shot to all hell, but you know, yeah, you actually kind of got to feel like, okay, you got the Keyblade stylized with an X instead of you know the word key. You got okay, so splitting people's hearts, the dark and the light. Already, someone's gonna be like, what the heck is this? Uh, but like, <laughs> we're sorry for talking about Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> that may or may not happen again. Who knows? Uh, but it, you, you got a vibe of the world and like kind of the rules, despite two games later, all of them being thrown away. But it was really cool to have like a villain who was just so evil too. Yeah. Like Xehanort as a bad guy, like honestly, better than both Ansem and Xemnas. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. Like even the way, I mean, rest in peace, Leonard Nimoy, but the way he emoted while he was speaking as Xehanort was just so perfect. You could feel that he was evil. I also loved, and I'll say it's like Vanitas kind of, and I, I will say that's the one thing I don't get is how Vanitas looked like Sora. I mean, because like technically bef- it was kind of before the heart thing and the, all the other stuff. Yeah. I was like, wait, well, why do you look like this? I think it was just because they wanted the fan art community to be happy. Here's your edgy Sora. Now leave us alone. <laughs> Go make your AMVs and leave us alone. Right. So I think it's my turn. Indeed it is. Sorry, my turn. I got to speak into the mic. All right. We kind of talked about this before the podcast, but I've been replaying it heavily. But one of my favorite games of all time is Fallout New Vegas. Yes. Good choice. And there's a reason for this. <clears throat> So I, I was very late to the game with a lot of video games. I got a 360 around the PS4, Xbox One time. Right. And then I, I got a, I, my, got my PS4 when Final Fantasy XV came out because I bought the special edition, got all that, but whatever. So there was a point in time where I was going back and playing all the games I missed. Things like Dishonored, Fable, Bioshock, all of it. Oblivion, like everything. And I got Fallout 3 from a friend. The friend I've mentioned, Jonathan. That game was so fun, and it really made me enjoy role-playing games a lot more. Um, that and Oblivion. But but there was something about 3 that kind of turned me off of mm. it, where it's like, okay, like it's good, but there's just... It didn't... like It was very much a role-playing game versus what it tried to be as like a shooter. Right. That game is... Like, granted, I'm, I'm going to say I, I'm play, I play this on the 360. So I get it P- on the PC. It's a lot easier, mouse mm-hmm. and keyboard. But on the 360... Playing Fallout 3 was kind of difficult. So, I liked it enough that I was willing to play Fallout New Vegas, which my friend also had. I put that disc in, I booted it up, and already, the the t- one, the tutorial doesn't feel like a tutorial. Right. Two, the, the premise to me is ten times more interesting as, oh, it's a revenge tale. Because for whatever reason, because, you know, you're the main character, you survive two bullets in the head. And now it's like, well, I want to find out who did this to me. Let's go do it. So that leads you on this incredible journey through the Mojave with Benny and Mr. House and the Legion and the NCR and all of these, like, really cool characters like Boone and Veronica and... I, I remember my, my first playthrough was I said, screw everybody. And I said, New Vegas is mine. <laughs> and basically was like, this is, I'm not like, I'm, 
I fought both the Legion. I, I fought this, you know, Kaiser, whatever, or yeah, Legion and NCR. And I was like, I like this whole New Vegas, you know, unified under me because that's cool. So I like it. It's so good. And then the fact that you can talk your way out of everything. Yeah, that's a big thing for me. Like <clears throat> the that game is so open and free as to what you can do with it, even within like the parameters of the story they set up because there's always at least two ways to tackle every situation with pacifism or with violence or with some other third option that combines the two. But like the writing alone made that game. Oh, the writing it's, I think that's one of the reasons that I could play it eternally forever because there are so many lines of dialogue that I'll just never see that it's fresh every single time. And then I know, I know this was in Fallout three too, but like in my opinion, some of the best perks are lady killer and confirmed bachelor. Yeah. Cause they'll open things up that you never would know. And some of them are just stupid fun. Mm-hmm. Like my favorite one was there's the like lonesome wanderer who just kind of walks around. And if you have lady killer, you can straight up say, Hey, were you in Montana like 17 years ago? <laughs> In you know, like, going like, oh, so the courier that I played, he's been around. And right. it's like, oh, the writing is so good. And then, like, it's the most, like, you know, most well-known thing, but, like, the the final Legion guy. Yeah. Where you can straight up just tell him, hey, get out. And he's like, all right, cool. Like, you can talk your way out of everything. Like, there, there's not a lot of games that do that, like, where you can just be that silver-tongued about it. Mm-hmm. And that, that, to me, is why I think Fallout New Vegas is one of the best games of all time. Definitely. I I like your choice of that game. So, um... When you start with so, um, I, I know it's going to be good. <laughs> My next choice is kind of a weird one, uh, but it's Gravity Rush. Criminally underrated. I, te- I definitely agree. Um, I got a Vita the year it came out. Uh, Rip the Vita. Yeah, uh, I can't remember how old I was. I just know that I was still in high school, and what? I used all of my birthday money to get the uh, the white Assassin's Creed edition. Ooh, I've seen that. Like that, that goes for a lot, doesn't it? Now, does, I, right? I don't. I'm actually not sure, but I know that it was sleek as hell when I got it. Um, I think Liberation actually gets a bad rep because it was super fun on the Vita, and considering the Assassin's Creeds that we had portably before that. Like, the story wasn't there, but the gameplay was fantastic. Um, But after that, I did everything I wanted to do in that game, and I was like, okay, well, what's next for me? Um, So my first time logging into the PlayStation Store ever, (laughs) I saw that uh, they had this deal going on where if you paid for PlayStation Plus, you would get Gravity Rush and Uncharted just to play for free. That was a Golden Compass, right? The Uncharted one? Yes. Okay. I think it was Golden Compass. It's Golden something. I just know that it was the one no one talks about, yet the people who've played it liked it. Yeah, like, it's it's great, and it has, like, 30 chapters or something, because... Oh, so it's like a full, like, full Uncharted. Yeah, it's a full game. Um, I think the story goes that Sony was just like, you can make an Uncharted and make it as long as you want, just make it okay for the Vita. And they were like, all right, we're going to make it a whole mini-series. Um... But I I wanted to play Gravity Rush. That was why I bought the system originally, because I was like, oh my god, anime. And uh, so I 
paid the 15 bucks for plus and then I had a little bit left on the gift card so I bought the uh the made DLC. <laughs> of course you did. <laughs> Don't judge me, okay? The Catwoman one was on there too, but I went with the made because I was like you know. He's got his priorities straight. I do got my priorities straight. But anyway, um just playing through that game on the Vita when none of my friends had it was such a great experience because it was like a self-contained thing just for me. Um, you know, just starting that game up and seeing the world and the music and it's all just so incredible. It's a really unique setting, um, which hasn't really been done before. And I don't think it's been done since, um, besides in gravity rush two, which I still actually haven't played because I'm mad. It was never on the Vita. Uh, but that game storyline and the, uh, like the French influence and everything. I just love every part of it except for the combat. I was going to say, I actually really dug the combat because of how weird it was. Like the gravity system in that game. I remember the first time I played it was like, yo, cause I played it in a, at a demo kiosk at like either a Walmart or GameStop mm. back when those existed. Right. Um, but I remember playing it and going, this is kind of cool. Like, cause you're able to literally like, you could walk on walls and like even go underneath the, the plates of like the world. And it's like, it was so cool. And then like the enemies would like, some of them like crawl after you or like fly after you. And you basically, it was like a, a third person kind of shooter, like very similar to infamous right? in, in kind of that way. But the way you traverse was so cool. Yeah. I loved just flying around and seeing new parts of the city. I think I collected every single gym on one of my saves. That that game is definitely criminally underrated. Like I I when I want one and two in like a combo pack on the PS5, make a three. I like I said I haven't played two, so I don't know if there's room for a three, but there's definitely at least room for a prequel. But I just want more of that. That game was so good to me. All right, I know the next one off the top of my head because it's I would argue it is my favorite game of all time, but. Mass Effect 2. I have never fallen in love with a group of characters more so than that game. And then wanting to protect them, knowing that, oh, they can die. Right. Like, despite the fact that they said Mass Effect was a trilogy, Mm -hmm. and then 2 comes out and then goes, oh yeah, by the way, some of these people can die. That was interesting to me. So... Everyone from Garrus, Tally, Jack, Miranda. Jacob's not cool, but that's sadly because he was underdeveloped, and I blame that on the writers and the creators. But everybody was cool. Like I, I wanted to talk with every. Like I'm, I'm that guy in RPGs where like I will happily skip dialogue and like say I don't really care mm-hmm. about lore and about whatever else. But in that game, I talked to everyone and paid attention. Like, Thane's whole business with his disease and his son. Miranda and how she might be... Like, she's like a clone. And Jack and how Cerberus treated her. Hearing uh, more stuff moved from the first game to the second about Tally and the flotilla and the Corian people. It was so cool. And, like, that's the best part of all of Mass Effect is the world they created. Like, there are obviously some moments of all three of the games where you're like, really? All right. Cool. But the way that these characters interact and, like, actually feel real was 
awesome. And then they made it a cover shooter. Like beforehand, Mass Effect 1 is very much a RPG. Mm-hmm. But Mass Effect 2 is like, all right, it's a cover shooter, like full-on action cover shooter with RPG mechanics. And to some, that is a bad thing. And I get it. But I am very much an action person when it comes to video games and movies. Like, I like, you know, that blood pumping um, level of adrenaline. It always feels good to me, like, no matter what. And so you, you add that, it's like decent gameplay with a phenomenal cast of characters and a really cool story. You just have, in my opinion, one of the best, like, games ever that I have gone back and played that game multiple times all the DLC, like, I, I just played um, Lair of the Shadow Broker for the first time, because it, it gives you the option to have Liara back. Oh, it was so good. Everything about that game is so good. And, like, I cannot wait for you to play that game. Even if it's with the remaster on whatever system, like, or if we just play the 360 versions, like, that game is so good. Yeah, I'm really excited to play them, just because... Um... Like, I, I haven't played any Bioware game except for Sonic Chronicles The Dark Brotherhood on DS. Um, it always comes back to haunt us. <laughs> uh, the DS had some bangers, and that is not one of them. But um, I love the way that they reward you for paying attention in Bioware games, even in Sonic Chronicles The Dark Brotherhood for Nintendo DS. Um, but I've always wanted to experience Mass Effect and Dragon Age just because of the way they, you know, develop a universe. I will say, I still think, like, while I personally love Mass Effect 2, I still think Dragon Age Origins is, like, the best game they've done in, like, all of them. Just because it is universally, like, praised as probably, like, the best form of, like, dark fantasy RPG levels of stuff. It's great. Like, I love Elder Scrolls. I love, you know, any fantasy, like, you throw at me Game of Thrones, whatever. I still think Dragon Age has the most realistic and believable world out of any dark fantasy. And Origins does that so well. That's really interesting to me. I'm going to have to play that one, too, I guess. I'll run you through all of them. Like, Dragon Age, Mass Effect, KOTOR. Oh, yeah. I need to play KOTOR. I want them to remake that game so bad. Like, they want to do it. Apparently, Disney won't let them you want to get on like that off topic but you want to get on the fans good side take the best star wars game that's ever been made and remake it yeah like make it nowadays and i guarantee you you'll have people going oh all's forgiven disney you're good yeah like all that last jedi stuff people would just immediately forget about it and then uh make keanu reeves revan yes yes I don't know if anyone has seen that, but that, that mock-up that was on Twitter and then like I saw it on Reddit is so good. And he's been on a roll lately. He's been in everything, and they've all been good. I want to yeah. see him as a Jedi. And he can do his own stunts. Yeah, so you'd know he'd be doing good. Like He, he, he put in the work for John Wick. He really did. There's a, there's a lot of videos out there of him at shooting ranges just doing quick change. And it's just... That man's a beast. I'm so excited for Cyberpunk to see him. Like I want to see just him. Like... The rest of the game, like, all right, yeah, cool, whatever, RPG, whatever. Oh, look, it's Keanu. Yeah, the uh, Cyberpunk, I've recently played Witcher 3, so I'm obviously very hyped for whatever they put out next, but the fact that he's in it, like, just give it to me now, bro. That was honestly one of my favorite E3s I've watched, where you're watching the trailer and going, all right, cool, all right, cool. Wait, is that, that's no, that's Keanu? 
Cyberpunk. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's just such a chill dude too. Yeah, he's such a like you can tell he's a genuinely good person, and that just makes the acting even better for me. It's it's so cool that like you're like oh he's such a genuinely nice person. He's an assassin. And in, in one movie, Bill and Ted, he's like, uh, just like, oh, dude, like complete stoner, dude, bro, stoner. And then now he's going to be, uh, Jack Silver, is it Jack Silverhand? Johnny Silverhand. Johnny Silverhand. Johnny Silverhand in Cyberpunk. And I think that's, it shows his acting chops. Yeah. Like, he's to, definitely got range. I think it's cool. Like granted, he's Keanu and everything he does. Like he, you, you he's, know, like it's him. He's one of the last movie stars really. Yeah. All right, what what else you got for me? What's number th- what's number three? My turn. Yeah. <clears throat> All right, so you're gonna think this one is really weird, and I I tied it with another game, but this one ultimately won out. It's Professor Layton and the Diabolical Box. You are the only person who's told me about Professor Layton in the entirety of that game series existing, despite how many times I've seen it at GameStop when I worked there. But you have been the guy who said, "Yo, I like this series." So when the first one was coming out, Nintendo did a surprisingly big push for it in marketing. Um, and I don't remember how, how old I was when that came out, but me and my sister, we would see like posters for it at Walmart and read things about it. Nintendo power and the art style alone had us both like, we have to play this. I don't care what the gameplay is. And then we saw a poster eventually that showed that it was a puzzle game. Um, and, even the art style and the puzzles with like the sheep and the wolves and chicks uh, in that very first puzzle you do that really drew us in. Um, So I played the first one when it came out. My sister played it as well, but she was a little too young to finish it. Um, But I fell in love with that world and all the characters. Um, But I was super worried that they would never make a sequel just because it wasn't like first party Nintendo and I felt like I was the only one in the world playing it because that's kind of the mindset you have when you're a nerdy child living in middle Tennessee. Um, but the second one came out and it had that whole murder on a train vibe going and they basically upgraded everything about the first one. And it just, these were DS titles, right? So the first four are DS titles. The last two are three DS. There's six of these. There's, technically there's six of these there's technically seven because there's a crossover game with phoenix Wright. And okay I, I, well oh no i was gonna say doesn't isn't there like a, a game with the daughter that's that's right that totally slipped my mind that one is on 3ds as well but they remade it for switch that one and then there's a mobile game about his son <laughs> which is a mobile game so i'll probably never play it but um Diabolical Box, like, the whole aesthetic just went even further than the first game. It's somewhat of a self-contained story, um, but the whole, like, tragic love thing really gets to me, and I've always wanted to solve a murder on a train ever since Paper Mario, so it really filled all of my needs in a game. I I would not have been able to tell you there's six of those. <laughs> Like, yeah. I, I just remember seeing, like, a couple we got in, like, and I, there, I probably had all six at GameStop at one point, but I just went, oh, it's, it's, it's that game. Yeah. Thinking it's like a Yokai Watch situation with, like, it's Professor Layton, this version. Ironically or this version. enough, same company. Really? Yeah, level five. I, I'm going to be real with you, dog. 
I do not like Yokai Watch. I I've been wanting to play the first one for a while, but I heard they remade it for Switch in Japan, and I just don't want to buy another DS game ever in my life. That's fair. Yeah, but um, the game that I was going to tie with that one is the first Phoenix Wright game, Ace Attorney. You have been the biggest Phoenix Wright guy that I know. That to the point where, like, I remember the last time I'd asked you about it, and you just went off, dude. Like, I could talk about Phoenix Wright forever. It's a uh, Capcom, right? That is Capcom. Okay. Yeah. Um, that's actually the technical seventh game. They have a game called Phoenix Wright versus Professor Layton. And it's a weird hodgepodge of both game styles. But um, I just love the fact that Phoenix Wright is a visual novel on the DS. And when I was a kid, like, I didn't even know visual novels existed until I played Professor Layton. And even that can't really be considered one, I guess. But um, the way Phoenix Wright was written with the whole, like, pseudo-redemption arcs and uh rival stories and all that it just really spoke to me and the gameplay in the courtrooms catching someone in a lie and that theme plays like that's that's better than crack man i mean i think everybody's probably seen a phoenix right meme at oh, some yeah. point like one of my favorites is the one uh i don't know his name but like the the nicely dressed gray-haired dude that would be edgeworth yeah edgeworth driving in his like super expensive car and you hear the muffled sound of Eminem, and uh, and then it just shows Phoenix riding on his bike. But then it's uh, it's like once you once he opens the door, it's like the guess who's back? Guess, who's back. <laughs> and that's that's the only thing of Phoenix right. Like I've actually like looked for because I saw it on Reddit, and I was like, I want to I want to save that on YouTube. I haven't seen the anime yet. Um, apparently, it's it was weird. from the anime. Yeah, I was gonna say it's not the games. At least from what I can gather, I don't know if the game the game's like strictly visual novel. The yeah, it's. The closest thing I can compare it to is Danganronpa, just because they're both courtroom-oriented things. Um, but Professor Layton actually has an anime OVA, too, uh, and that's actually pretty good. They do actually solve puzzles in the movie, which is strange as a concept, but it worked. I was going to say, video game adaptions of anything, like whether it's anime or whatever, always are weird. Like, you'll get the standouts like Castlevania mm-hmm. or, like, the kind of okay, like, ones that we like because we're nerds, but like Sonic the Hedgehog. And then you get Assassin's Creed or Max Payne or yeah. Doom. Featuring Dwayne The Rock Johnson. I love that he's the bad guy. I love Technically. That they, I love that he did Doom and then they were like, this guy should be the one in Rampage. <laughs> I, I just love that, like, and it, you can kind of tell, too, like, that, that that's where The Rock went. Because, like, he started in Scorpion King. Like, he was a, well, he's a wrestler. Then he did Scorpion King, and then you just start doing movies here and there. And now it's like, he's in every, and like, now he's Black Adam. Yeah, it's like, he's he's all over the board, and nobody can ever truly smell what The Rock's cooking. I hate you for that joke. <laughs> I absolutely hate that you made that. All right, my turn. Um, this one, so this is my number three. It's a very new release, actually. And uh, it's Devil May Cry 5. Hell yeah. That game, so I'm a, I'm a huge DMC fan. Like, despite the fact that my technical first game in the series was the reboot. 
Yeah, I mean, it was for me too because PS2 games were nearly inaccessible to me when I was interested in playing them. I don't remember the friend, so if you ever listen to this, my bad. Um, but I went to a friend's house and played the first Devil May Cry. But at the time, because that was how cool graphics were back then, mm-hmm. I was terrified. Right. Because again, technically, it's a horror title. Mm-hmm. Technically. Because it's, it's Devil May Cry was originally meant to be Resident Evil 4, then it wasn't, and then it got made into an action game because you could juggle a guy with guns. Because that's been cool. Riding Resident Evil's coattails ever since. Sadly. <laughs> All the, and to, I will say, though. Writing the coattails gave them the RE engine. Yeah. And Devil May Cry 5 used that in spades. And it worked beautifully. I, but yeah, Devil May Cry 5, I think, is like the definitive Devil May Cry game where you get a mix of everything, except Lady and Trish. I I do not like how they treated them. Yeah. They're just kind of there. I agree with that. But the gameplay is solid because in the very same vein of like Birth by Sleep, you have three different playable characters. Mm-hmm. Nero, who's kind of the, the he, he's got his very systematic style of like risk reward, right? You got the devil breakers and everything that they do. Um, and then getting hit while using them breaks them. If you use the big move, they break, but then you got your basic sword and gun attacks as well. And you got Dante who just does whatever he wants to do with every weapon he can get his hands on. And then V who just controls demons, mm-hmm. which is awesome. Like, Panther and Griffin are already so cool. And then you're like, all right, let me just get this big old behemoth guy. Yep. And then here you go. It's so, like, the way they do combat was so good. And as a Devil May Cry fan, I loved them seeing them tying everything together. Yeah. With, like, oh, Nero's uh, history and oh, Dante's dad. And then, um, spoilers, I guess. It's been out for a year and the trailers give it away. But Virgil's there. And oh, and side note, Barry the Light's a great song. Um, yes, it is. Even but though it's ten minutes long. <laughs> I I was kind of hoping they'd give like the shorter version too, but they're like they're like no, no that's that's the version. <laughs> this is Freebird too. <laughs> but um, it's like an Eagles song with how many solos they put in there. <laughs> um, but no, the gameplay was so good. Like, and it again, I cannot stress this enough. God bless the RE engine. That game looks beautiful. Yeah. I I played it myself when it came out, and I remember just going through after I beat it and just triple Sing every single V mission just because I loved his playstyle so much. And playing that game actually got me super, super hyped for Astral Chain. Yeah. Because I was like, oh man, this is just going to be V's own game. <laughs> and it kind of was. I, I To an extent, I Astral Chain is really good, and I think the combat's great. But it's definitely like a... All right, it's a, it's a Switch game. Like, yeah. no offense to the Switch. I love the Switch. Astral Chain definitely would have worked way better on, like, a PS4 and Xbox. I agree if with they, that. Or a PC, but, like, you know, it is what it is. They use the limitations really well. Yeah, they, they super did it well, like, with the whole uh, particle effects and everything with the... Um, what do they call it? The... I'm just going to call it the blight because that's what it is. Oh yeah. Um, everything looks super crisp in that game to me. But yeah, Devil May Cry 5. If you haven't played it, definitely play it. And you can get, I think every Devil May Cry game on right now, current gen in November, eh, who knows? But right. right now, every single title is available on Xbox, PC and PS4. I mean, let's be honest. This Capcom, every Devil May Cry is going to be on there day one for $30 a piece. Devil May Cry the Virgil Collection featuring the second game that nobody likes yeah um, I just realized that's the only game he's not in 
I've like, never played two. You don't have to. Like, in all honesty, you really don't. Like, I know it, it's it, just, like, nonsense. Well, it's not even that. Just, like, okay, so one had the really cool stylish combat. Mm-hmm. Two just goes, all right, you got one combo. And that's Stinger. Fun. And everything else. Is, and then you can, everybody, everybody has a health bar exactly now. So you can literally beat the game with just the guns. Wow. It's not good. Although they did have this wall running mechanics. Like you, it, the whole point was it, it looks cool sometimes. Like you can jump up the walls and shoot like spinning and do like a down slash. And it had cool things. And it was the introduction of Bloody Palace. Mm-hmm. And Lucia. Lucia was cool. But like, yeah. Mm, it, it's not good. Like you can really just skip it and never play it and you'd be completely fine. I'll just watch the Devil May Cry 2 whole movie video on YouTube when I get to that point. It's like 30 minutes. Like, it, it literally just shows, like, the cutscenes, which half the cutscenes are just, hey, a door's opening. Oh, hey, this character comes in and does, Bleh. and that's it. Like, it's it's a PS2, like, Resident Evil-style game where there's not a lot of cutscenes, but when they happen, it's like, here's this, exp- you know, this dump of uh, info you need. All right, we out. Oh, um, another tangent, just because we're on Devil May Cry. Have you heard that they're actually bringing back the Dante stuff? in uh smt3 yes although it's dlc i mean i'm fine with paying that. yeah I'm, com- I'm cool with that like i'll pay smt3 and then i'll pay because i think dante was wasn't he the west only or did he get yeah, like in yeah in the uh the western maniacs version well they took him out of maniacs i think i thought it was in uh i was reading it a while so i i'm don't quote me on this one but i think maniacs was different Dante was that thing where it goes, oh, it's SMT3 Nocturne featuring Dante from Dumb and Cry. You know, the meme. And the meme was born. But, uh, yeah, it was, I'm, I actually, that is the only reason I'm getting Nocturne. Like, Noct- I, I like Shin Megami Tensei games, don't get me wrong. But, like, you put Devil May Cry in anything and I'm going to buy it day one. So the reason that they put him in originally, I think, is because um, they had Rido in his spot. And nobody knows or cares about Rido here. So... They were like, all right, might as well do Dante from the Devil May Cry series. Another thing, too, gets right that Nocturne took was his design. Yeah. Two's design is god tier. I totally agree with that. But uh, next on my list. um, Is this another obscure one? It's not. It's not. This one is actually pretty mainstream, and I don't think it's going to be a surprise to you. But Batman Arkham City. Oh, boy. Yeah. The, yes. The amount of times I've played that game is nearing 40. Um, when I was a child, my dad... Well, I mean, we didn't really have high-speed internet because we were out in the boonies. But um, my dad borrowed a copy of Arkham Asylum from a friend and brought it home. And he was like, hey, I thought you might want to play this. So here you go. So I popped it in. And I was like, I don't care about Batman. I'm not three. And then I started playing it. And I was like, whoa. This is not for three-year-olds. Oh, yeah, like... Oh, I remember the first time I played Asylum was like, oh, it's just Batman, but then it's like, oh, no, like... Joker's crazy. Yeah. Uh, Scarecrow's terrifying. And, By the uh, way, here are your dead parents. Bro, and... Again, kind of tangent, but that glitch thing they made you experience where you're like, oh, mm-hmm. my game's busted. Oh, no, it's Scarecrow. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. That was revolutionary for its time. But, um... Like, when Arkham City came out, I was so hyped for that game because my only real gripe with Asylum was that there wasn't a lot of space to run around and be Batman in. 
And then I guess that was everybody else's complaint too, because they were like, here, just take the whole city. <laughs> and, uh, first playthrough, I absolutely adored it. All the, the final boss battle with, uh, Clayface and Raish's sword. Um, just amazing. It's definitely better than the, just Joker Titan in the first one. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to talk about Joker Titan, but, um, <laughs> I actually, uh, this is kind of a weird story, but I actually committed credit card fraud to obtain. Wait, what? I, I accidentally, I say accidentally, but I mean, after the first couple times I knew what I was doing, I committed credit card fraud to get all of the Batman skins in that game. And I don't regret it. Are you at least good now? Yeah, I mean, I don't do credit card fraud anymore. <laughs> I don't do it now. I mean, if they come out with another Arkham game, like, I may have to get back I mean, hey, that. Gotham Knights looks like it's going to have a lot of skins. But, um, sadly enough, the same guy that my dad was friends with that let him borrow Arkham Asylum, he took our Xbox, too, so he could download us a DLC to Resident Evil 5, and my father just gave him some cash, um, and he used his credit card to buy it on the store. And then when we did get high-speed internet, it was around the time Arkham City came out, and I was like, dude, they got more Batmans on the store? And I checked the store, and they had like a billion Batmans. And I was like, hey, Mom, can I get this? And she was like, yeah, I don't care. It's like $2. So I did it. Um, got my it's $2 for one of them. <laughs> got my Batman Beyond skin. And then I was like, Mom, did it come through on your phone yet? She was like, no. And I was like, it's only $2. Can I get the yellow lantern one too? And she was like, fine. And then I did it and it never showed up in her bank account. So I was like, this is weird. I need to check my payment information. And it turned out to be this other guy's credit card that my dad had lent the thing to. And I, in my evil child brain was like, I'm going to buy everything they ever make for this game. And it totaled up to be... Because I, I was buying all these things separately before they were in packs. And each one was like $2, right? Yes. And I also did the Harley Quinn DLC. I was about to ask, did you get the DLC? But yeah. I, I got everything on this dude's card, man. And then uh, my dad went to work one day. And the guy was like, hey, um, something really <laughs> weird's happening with my credit card. Uh, are you guys like using it? My dad was like, oh, my son must be like buying things with it, thinking that our card is attached. And then I went and apologized, and I was like, I didn't have any idea, sir. I'm so sorry. You had every idea, didn't but you? But at that point, I had the Batman skins, so it really didn't matter what I said, because <laughs> I won. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, what'd you do when Arkham Knight came out? They had a lot of Batman skins. I don't... I actually don't remember much about when that game came out because I wasn't following the marketing or anything for some reason. I think it's because I played Origins and it kind of like killed my enthusiasm a bit. So you're not a fan of Origins? I, as I've gotten older, I like it a lot. It's just, it didn't do as much new as City did. Well, yeah, because it was, it was like literally just City 2. Right. Yeah, and I think that kind of burned me a bit, and the villains in it were kind of forgettable, besides the Joker. Well, yeah, I was going to say Joker, Deathstroke, and Bane. Yeah. Everybody else was just, you fought him once, and that's it. Even, like, Penguin, and, like, you, you were like, oh, it's Penguin. Okay. Yeah. I but, will say, Troy Baker as Joker, though, killed it. 
Yeah, he definitely did. For the for the longest time, I thought it was Mark Hamill. I think that's what makes it great. Like I I saw. Um, I think what what got me into the game was because uh, I, I didn't play the game on launch either. I, I played it when I was living in Memphis for a couple years, but I didn't know it was it was Troy until I saw a video like a couple years later of him doing the Killing Joke monologue, mm. and I was like, "Wait, that's Troy, right? What?" So, but yeah, no, Arkham City's great. Like, you're right. Everything they've done in that game, especially like the Catwoman episodes. Oh yeah, like, fantastic. So, like, not only, like, okay, you get to play as Catwoman, which are already, that's cool, but you get to be Batman. Like, it's the meme about it, but, like, it made you feel like Batman. It made me feel like Batman, 8 but, out of 10. But it really did. Like, you, you felt like this avenging Dark Knight who, like, could take out anything. Yeah, those missions where it's completely stealth with 15 guys in a room with guns. And once you get good at the game, you can just zip around and take them all down within like two minutes. That was what I lived for as a child. It's actually the only reason why I enjoyed the Amazing Spider-Man 2 video game is because they tried to do that. I didn't know if they did that at all. I only played the first one and it was on Vita. The uh, the second one had... It was it was big open world Spider-Man game. Mm-hmm. Whatever. It was not good. But uh, they had stealth missions and that's how you unlock suits. Ah. Uh. And I didn't care about the story at all, but I was like, yo, these suits, it's kind of sick. That's why you play a Spider-Man game, like, just for the suits. Like, the new Spider-Man game is good. Don't get me wrong. I love it. I don't know how you about that new face for the PS5 version, but... But the suits, though. But the suits, though. The Scarlet Spider suit. Oh, my... Dude, I I saw that and I went, that's the suit for the game. Yeah. Like, anytime I wasn't doing, like, story-heavy stuff, because, like, I went with the the advanced suit the whole way, like, the canon suit, Mm -hmm. but Scarlet Spider all the time. Yeah, and 100%. then whatever one you get for completing the black cat challenges, like the kind of black red one. Yeah, for, yeah, that one was cool. God, they did so good on those suits. I'm excited for Miles for that. There's apparently going to be a Spider Verse inspired suit. Yes, you know they're adding actually more suits for the uh, the remaster of the first one too, right? Yeah, they're putting Amazing Spider-Man one in there, which I don't like that suit, but at the same time, I know there's people who do. Yeah. I mean, I like it aesthetically. It's just like that was the first Spider-Man movie with Andrew Garfield. I mean, if they had saved it for like the second movie, I don't think I would have minded. I still think that the first Amazing Spider-Man is not nearly as bad as some people say it is. The second one's garbage. I do not like that one. I enjoy the first one quite a lot. And I actually, the first half of the second one, I like a lot too. It's just that... By the end, it's so jumbled up of all these villains. Because they tried to make their own universe. Because, mm-hmm. again, we, we've learned that Marvel's the only one who can do this right, apparently. Which is insane. Like, how is it this hard? You've been writing the comics for years. Just do that. Yeah, like, oh, hey, we introduced a villain. Well, now we give that villain a movie. Yep. But, all right, my turn? Uh, Yeah, it's it's your turn. Okay. Uh, Alright, this one is going to be like the well no duh one, but Ocarina of Time. Oh yeah, obviously. That game is arguably my childhood. Like I remember playing that, ex- so fun fact, I've had that, I had that game on my N64, but then my sister, I think it was my sister, could have been my brother, but they stuck a quarter into the, the slot <laughs> instead of a game, and it, I, it just wouldn't work. We couldn't get the quarter out. Like, it was busted. 
Um, so, yeah, no N64 for me. And uh, I forget if that was when I got my uh, Game Boy or if it was... Uh, yeah, I think I got a Game Boy at that point, and that became my the way I played games. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until I got a GameCube, and we were at uh, Goodwill. A lot of my stories will have Goodwill in it. That's, that's where I got a lot of stuff. Um, but there was this thing called the Legend of Zelda promotional disc. Oh, my God, dude. That had... The first two original Zelda titles, mm-hmm. it had Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask and a playable 30-minute demo, I think, of Wind Waker. And Master Quest, right? No, no, not Master Quest. Master Quest was strictly just a, its own thing. Mm, okay. No, it was, but yeah, it was those four games plus the demo, and we bought that, and of course, it's my brother's, but I jacked that and immediately said, I'm going to play Ocarina of Time. Yeah. And I did. And I loved it. I... Ocarina is, it was, obviously games have done better now. Like, I can, you know, effectively say that, like, there are better open world adventure titles. I mean, definitely, but you have to look at games, like, in the eyes of someone that's playing them the time they come out, I think. And even even then, like, as someone who played it on the GameCube, mm-hmm. remember, I, I, I didn't play a lot of, like, big games. Like, I, I hadn't played, like, Twin Snakes or... The Resident Evil 4, like, I had only played Mario titles. Right. And, like, Sonic. So then, imagine my surprise when, oh, here's this little, this little Kokiri boy, but psych, he's the Hylian, and you get to pull the sword out of the pedestal, like, like, the sword, the stone, and then, like, oh, now you're this hero, and you're an adult now, and you get to go fight evil, and all of these different worlds, like, you get to meet the Zora, the Gorons, the Gerudo, you know, Zelda and Sheik, the whole Sheik thing blew my mind. Yeah. Like, I remember going, oh, Sheik's pretty cool. And then going, ha, psych, I'm Zelda. And you're like, yo. <laughs> I It was so cool. And then I still remember fighting Ganon. Like, that that level of just like, oh, I'm, I'm the hero of time. Mm-hmm. Like, this was it. Like, that was, I think, the first game where I effectively escaped. Like, I went all in on that world. Because, like, I was like, yo, it, again, at the time, it felt real. And yeah. the Majora's Mask is there, which Jesse would hate me if I said this, but I don't think it's that good. Like, it's good. And it's my my brother's favorite. I got problems with it. I'm sorry. I I agree with you there. Um, my biggest thing is that the structure of how you have to play it is so different from its predecessor that it's honestly just really hard for me to do. Like, it's a good game, don't get me wrong. But, like, yeah, Majora's Mask, I, I definitely, I think Ocarina is better than Majora. Majora is definitely better than Skyward Sword, though. Like, I, I don't think Skyward Sword is as bad as it got. It's not good. When they remake Skyward Sword and they add in those traditional controls, then it'll be great. But I just can't get past the whole Wiimote stuff. So, like, Twilight Princess did it where it's just, okay, just flick. Right. Skyward Sword is like, let me position the sword in a precise slicing motion that even the Wii Motion Plus cannot get. Yeah, the technology just wasn't there at the time for that. I think the, Actually, I think the Switch might be able to do it. I mean, I'm sure it can, but nobody's going to want to slash a Joy-Con. Yeah, These things fair. are fragile enough. <laughs> you actually fling it out of your hand? <laughs> Remember, children, swish and flick the shit out of your wands like this. <laughs> <laughs> it's Leviosa! <laughs> It's Leviosa, dude. <laughs> All right. There you go. It's Ocarina of Time. It's a great game. Play it. Yeah. Um, Ocarina, 
like just as another tangent, but um, I feel like that's one of the first games to really feel like an odyssey. Yeah. Where it's like you have an end goal in mind, but you have to go through all these other misadventures to get there eventually. And that's, I think, one of the reasons why so many people praise that as like the best game ever made. Even though I'm sure it's been dethroned now, but... I'll still put it up there. Boomers are still on that hill. They're going to die on it. Boomers will die on a lot of hills that I've found out. Yeah. Not necessarily some good hills either. Yeah. Some of them are moral valleys, but they will die on that hill. All right. So my next game, um, I don't know if you've ever played this one. Dragon Quest Nine: Sentinels of the Starry Skies. I've played two Dragon Quest games. Eleven. Eleven. And the the slime one, like, on the DS, I forget the name. Slime Cannon or whatever? Yeah, like that one. Like that weird side one. That's I weird. I played that. That's really weird. I don't know why I did, but it was just one of those games you saw at a yard sale and you went, why, might as well. Yeah, I mean, I definitely understand the mentality. But when I was growing up, I, I was a hardcore DS nerd. Like, everyone had one at the time because, you know, nobody had cell phones. So we would all get on PictoChat and talk and everything. But the only games that I really had in common with any of my friends was, like, Mario Kart. Because um, that's the universal go-to. Mario Kart DS? Mario Kart DS. The best thing about that was you did not have to have that game to play it. Yeah. If you played multiplayer, as long as one of you had it, you could all still play. And that needs to come back. Yeah, it's I remember distinctly every morning at breakfast in that cafeteria, we um we would all gather around and then like maybe me or Trevor would bring their cartridge and then we would all just be able to hop on and get a full lobby just while eating breakfast. It was fantastic. But um Dragon Quest, I remember being a kid, I used to sleep over at my grandparents' house all the time cuz they're like three minutes down the road for me if that um but i used to have my own bedroom over there so i would sleep in there and just watch adult swim because my parents hated family guy and i wanted to watch it sometimes but on adult swim they had these commercials for the game with um seth green very prominently featured because this was the first dragon quest that nintendo got to market Oh, yeah, because I think before it was Sony, right? Like PlayStation or am I? Uh, yeah, well, because... I, well, I mean, I, yeah, the original ones were on NES and stuff, but yeah, this one was... But before this era, it was like PS2 Dragon Quest. Um, so Nintendo put their marketing dollars into it and made this series of Seth Green commercials. And the one that I distinctly remember seeing um, was the uh, Fur Poncho one. I think I've seen that. Yeah, but I, I, it, it's been so long. I just remember him saying so smugly for Poncho, and just, I remember seeing little bits of the gameplay, but then looking it up online and having AOL load for thirty years and seeing that it was a huge like turn-based adventure on the DS that I could take to school with me, ride it, you know, play on the bus and everything. Um, and that game is so long, like they're. I can't even remember how many towns there are, but you have to travel across the world to get to each town. And just like uh, Ocarina of Time, it was an odyssey. So it you can play a town, 
get finished with it and then that town story is done. So you're constantly being satisfied, which I think is a big thing with Dragon Quest in general. Um, but you get little stories inside the bigger quest. And in that one specifically, you had um, like it was the first one to have co-op, which really, yeah, you um, if you had a friend that had it, you could actually cross over. Um, I mean, they had to have a save file because it's a turn based RPG, but um, you could cross over and play through the story together as well as do these uh, dungeons um, they had this system where I think it was like you had to find a map or like somehow make it with the alchemy pot. Um, but you could go through all these dungeons and everything. And I think there was like 90 dungeons or something like that. It was insane. There was so much to do, so much equipment. And I played that game for upwards of like a hundred hours. And I don't think I ever beat it as a kid. And I only beat it just recently going back and being nostalgic but it holds up really well. It's hard for a lot of turn-based games to not hold up because it's it's a formula that just works for it. And yeah. like even going like going back to play Final Fantasy VI for me recently, it was like, oh, this game's still good. Like no matter how many times I play it, it's gonna be Final Fantasy VI. Mm-hmm. And what and like was um was the art style for for Dragon Quest was it the bit style or was it kind of like a three D pseudo? It, the way they did nine was pretty interesting. They did um, 3D for the main characters, and then for NPCs in towns, they were 2D sprites. So it was kind of cool. It was it was interesting for sure. But it's like every time you walk into a town, you're just like, oh, I know who's going to be important to the story. It's like an anime classroom scene where they all have static black hair, and then fucking Yugi Moto sitting in the back. Uh, yeah, I, re- I used to be a huge Yu-Gi-Oh fan. Still technically am. I recently bought cards again, but yeah, I was always like, Hey, who's the main character of this show? Okay. I see who's the spiky one. It's the boy with the physically impossible hair. I love seeing people try to cosplay those characters and like how much they apparently have to work yeah. for that. Like I've seen like the best one I've seen was someone just had to put like twist tie or whatever things and like mold the hair to that. Yeah, I um I recently saw someone cosplaying Yugi that they had to make like the base of the mag or uh the base of the wig like magnetic and then just attach all the different hair pieces. But uh too much for some cosplay. Yeah, I mean especially for a children's card game as most people would call it. But um I'm gonna be real with you, dog. I have not seen one child buy a Yu Gi Oh pack when I worked at GameStop. Yeah, me either. It's all the uh the unshowered thirty year olds. So Smash fans. Yeah. But I Or no, sorry. Well, more specifically melee fans. <coughs> yes, melee fans, not pro Smash players because with Yu-Gi-Oh fans, they get all of their lolly content on the cards themselves and they don't have to chase it. Uh rip the Smash. Like it's still going on but still like yeah. Speaking of, okay, not not the same topic, but did you see that guy who got like real mad at Steve being added to Smash Bros? No. He got mad. Like he called he called anyone who was asking for this, y'all are mentally ill <laughs> and whatever else. And apparently he said it was a joke, but only after he got a bunch of flack for it. Right, after he's done with his breakdown. Yeah. It's a joke. A- after after people said, Hey, that's not cool, he goes, God, I was kidding, God. It's a prank. It's just, just a prank, bro. 
But uh, I think we both have one more on our lists. Before that, do we? Cause yeah, I, I think, think it's I'm f- done. Oh, is that your five? Yeah, that was five. Uh, oh yeah, because oh, I was gonna say let's do honorable mentions before we end it. But yeah, okay. Shoot, we can definitely bad. do honorable mentions though. I'm down for that. We'll we'll do those after this one because this is my my last one, and you will agree with me. But Crisis Core. Yes, dude. All right. That was the first game I ever cried, and mm-hmm. I'm talking bawling. Mm-hmm. If you haven't played Crisis Core. Stop watching this podcast. By this point, it's an hour, so we've already got the ad revenue. Um, I think. I don't know how that works. Um, Stop watching. Go on eBay. Buy a PSP. Try and buy Crisis Core for however much that's going for. And play that game. Because I have never met a character as relatable as Zach. Because, man, is he. He is the guy. Like, yeah, Cloud's cool. Vincent's edgelord tifa is awesome Aerith is funny but like zach is the guy like i've every time i've played crisis core and i've played it i want to say now seven times yeah all the way through like that's seven times completion obviously the other times that i started it is whatever but man angeal oh angeal the the actual nibelheim incident the finale and Aerith. That game has so much emotion. Like, and I'll say this. That game's combat is whatever. Because you're running on a, on an actual randomized slot machine to give you boosts. Yeah. Like, it's not like something you can control. Like, you, every battle can be... Eh, you might. But... You might win. You might get 20 gold. Who sees? You might get a summon. Or you might just, you know... <laughs> it's cool. Stronger attacks. But, uh... It was that game had some weird stuff in it too. Like the the story was all over the place in some areas, and it's hard to follow. But the moments of levity of where you see Zach being human mm-hmm. with characters, like they humanize Sephiroth. Like that's the thing that gets me is that like before that, it's like Ace Big Bad Sephiroth. He's evil. Yep. And you go to that game and you go, well, now I understand and now I feel sad. Because mm-hmm. like yeah, like Sephiroth as a character was way cooler in crisis core because like oh he has friends he's got people he cares about but then he finds out what's what's happened to him then he goes crazy and then you know cloud stabs him and it's like ah you you're the one i'm gonna imprint on now how dare you penetrate me (laughs) and like (laughs) but uh, uh like the ending of that game still gets me and i i i almost about screamed when they almost did it again in, oh my in God. remake where I about lost. I was like, don't make me do that again. As soon as I saw him, I started crying. Yeah. Like, uh, crisis core is so good. Like I, okay. It's like, it was a good experience. And I think that's why I put it so high. Is that like when I actually compare that game to other like action RPGs, it's not good. Right. Like it, it is what it is. But like the time I had with that game, like I pushed through because like, I love the characters when it when it was actually making sense, not some weird Nomura uh, black hole of what was awesome. Like, Zack's great. I love seeing Cloud's introduction. Seeing Tifa in the cowboy hat was great. Aerith. Aerith was cool. Like, it was... To me, it's... Besides the original and remake, it's the best Aerith because she's, she's still kind of jokey. Mm-hmm. But she is also that kind of, you know, sweet, nice person. Yeah, it was really the first time you see her as a fully rounded character 
in a lot of ways just because she can, you know, change her mood and change her personality based on her mood a bit in that game. The scene that still gets me is when Zach is crying and she's trying to cheer him up, realizing she can't. Mm-hmm. She just she just hugs him. Yeah. That's it. That's the scene. And it's like, ah, oh, it hit you so hard. Because like, ah, oh, that game, that, so that game made me cry. I think when I first played it, I was, I want to say I was like 11 or 12. Mm-hmm. And I bawled. Like, ah. Uh. Another thing about Zach, I feel like he's like the perfect proxy main protagonist. Like a lot of video games try to make a silent protagonist so that you can imprint on them. But Zach is the exact opposite of that. And you can still relate super hard and feel what he's feeling. Especially because how crazy the story gets sometimes. We're literally, you the, you the player will go, what's going on? And Zach will then respond, I don't know what's going on here. And you're like, dude, me too. Yeah, he's like a Final Fantasy fan in a Final Fantasy game. I will say, dude, if in Remake, if they bring up dumb apples, I'm ejecting that disc and cracking it in half. <laughs> I, uh, And then if I have to hear anyone, if, if Genesis shows up and spouts Loveless... I would, I'm going to break my PS5. I would adore that. I I just want I the fact that I know you mean like infinite in mystery. I'm like God, dang it! I every time the fact that they put that loveless poster up in the uh, the wall market or whatever. I looked at that with disdain. <laughs> I looked at that with just utmost ugh. Fun <laughs> fun fact. I don't mean to interrupt you. Uh, Genesis is in the secret ending of Cry- or, uh, Dirge of Cerberus. Yeah, because I... he it was supposed to be like a tease for Crisis Core, but at mm-hmm. the same time, going futures we don't know. <laughs> so that makes me very worried if they bring him back as like a pseudo villain. I would love that to death. I'd love it because I like Crisis Core, but at the same time, I don't like Genesis as a character, so I think I'd hate it. Yeah, it would be great if they just brought him in as like a boss fight. Like a, uh, uh, like the the summons, like that you fight him in like a VR yeah. thing. Yeah. Okay, I'll take it to that. Make him a summon, bruh. I'll take that. Okay. He just Fine. puts the enemies to sleep effect by spouting loveless. <laughs> Everyone's like your your party goes to sleep too. <laughs> just ends the game right there. Just like everybody goes, ah, this ain't worth it no more. We're going home. It's like, I don't care about the world no more. If that's in it, blow it up. Let's go, Marlene. I don't understand this. Oh, Marlene's cute. Like, oh, her, dude, dude her, her model in, in Remake, like, I saw it and immediately was like, I protect with all cost. It broke my heart every time she was on screen just because she was so adorable. Uh, it. You've seen Evan Children, right? Yeah. Sad, I guess, sadly, some in some instances, but... Yeah. Have you seen, like, the complete version? Like, the unabridged with all the scenes edited actually together i don't think so okay the movie's i rented it from a video store the movie's actually good i say good like it's watchable and makes sense um but yeah even marlene in that one was kind of like adorable and i didn't know who denzel was but hey in the in the complete edition they actually show you okay how does denzel walk into this okay got it i'll have to check that out because at first you're like, who's this Denzel kid? Was he in Seven? It's like, oh, there's a scene where Cloud meets him. Mm. Okay. And they apparently had an anime like thing in the in or something like in the case of Denzel or whatever or in the book. I have the 
on the way to the Smile novel that has that in it, I guess. Still need to read that. I have it if you want to borrow it. I actually might. Um, so now I guess we should do our honorable mentions. Yeah, what do you got? Because I, I kind of pulled that out like, just on the spot where I was like, ah, honorable mention, we should probably, and I forgot that you, you went first, so you... All right, um, I'm just going to pull some things out of the air. How many do you think we should have? It's like a couple. Just like it, We'll talk because it's already been, I think, like rough. I, I didn't start the timer mm-hmm. when we started, so it's been an hour since I started the timer. I hate my iPhone. <laughs> um, yeah, so this says an hour 18. I would roughly say probably like make that like an hour 25. All right. Um, so for my honorable mentions, uh, I already mentioned phoenix wright is attorney but that whole series is fantastic and you should play it if you're even remotely interested in danganronpa which everyone on tiktok is now but um that uh resident evil 4 is like my favorite gamecube game almost um i buy it on every platform it comes out on and complete it again because i'm a shill for capcom money um i'm a shill for don't make cry money I yeah. think I bought I bought all of the titles on both PS4 and Xbox, and I'm going to buy Devil May Cry 5 Special Edition on PS5 and Series X. And get ready to buy all the other ones on there too, bud. Yep. Well, might not defend it, the the remake might not be, because now that Capcom knows that people don't like it, they've abandoned it all. Like the PC, I don't think the PC has the definitive edition content. Interesting. Like straight up, and the PC's not getting the. Uh, Special edition content, like 4K, ray tracing, all that stuff, like Legendary Dark Knight. Mm. They're getting Virgil, but not not the other cool stuff. <laughs> um, and then for my last one, I guess I would have to say Xenoblade Chronicles 2. <laughs> <laughs> like, at the time that I played it, um, I had just started at GameStop, so like I didn't have any friends. And then... You know, just playing so, a game. So you made friends with all the sword women. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Oh, and uh, Persona 4 Golden. I give Xenoblade too much, like, crap, but, like, I, I, it's a good game. I just, at the time when I actually got to play it was when uh, I had seen too much anime going for the fan service route. Plus, I hold Xenoblade 1 in such a high regard, which that's, my, that's one of my honorable mentions, so Xenoblade 1. But... That two felt so off to me. I think that's why I like it so much more than you do because I had no basis in Xenoblade One yet, and I've only just recently started that with the remake, which is amazing. Like Xenoblade One has its moments of fan service, but there's like Xenoblade Two's got fan service. Like there's hot springs, and like every single girl in the game and has got a thing for physics. Rex, and then Rex is an idiot and doesn't get it. Like. Like, what's her, Nina? Her, Nia. Nia was like, I like you. Or like, I love you. Yeah, we're friends. <laughs> like, just like, yeah. And she's like, oh, Rex. That's why Nia's my favorite character. She just, she goes through so much hardship. And then she finally finds someone that she actually can trust and love. And then he's just like, I love all you guys. I uh, do not. Like, okay, it's, it, what, I'm not getting on the Xenoblade <laughs> hate train. My first one I'll mention is Xenoblade 1, though. I think that game is great. Like that was, I think the the first like big RPG I ever had, like on the Wii. Like that was the big thing too. Is on the Wii. Yeah. Like at that point, I was pretty much saying like, okay, RPGs are the DS or 
PlayStation because I'm not going to get anything from there. So Final Fantasy was out for me except for the PSP. Mm-hmm. However, Xenoblade shows up and is like, here's a big RPG on the Wii. And I was like, ooh. And yeah, it's great. You can now get it on the Switch. So there's no excuse to not play that game now. Yeah, for real. Play the remake because um, Monolith has a lot riding on that as far as their future projects go. And I really want to see what they can do in the future. I think another another good honorable mention for me. It's actually very hard, but uh, I'll go ahead and say it. No more heroes. I yeah, they're, that's a solid choice. Like they're they're okay games, like realistically, but an action game on the Wii and being rated M by the way, like that, yeah. a bloody action game on the kids console, and it has the, it has a cult following that is so rabid, like. Mm-hmm. Like I've never seen so much disappointment seeing that he's only a me skin. Yeah, that uh that hurt me pretty bad too actually. That game was so like Deadpool wasn't at the height of his popularity yet. Um so at the time Travis was like the only character like that. It was so cool too cuz like I remember like the way, because at first, like the game itself was pretty act, like it was just a standard action game. But then your finisher moves, you got to use the Wii Remote. Yeah, it's like that's what it was cool for you. It wasn't this over reliance of let me shake this around. It was like okay, here's the A button. Yeah, it's the attack button. And then you see the arrows. You go okay, whoa. like you flick it up or you flick it sideways. And then you could use the nunchuck as well because it had I guess motion capabilities too when plugged in. Mm-hmm. So you would fling them both, and like you get this cool finisher like a suplex or whatever else. And so yeah, that that game was like really fun for what you know they did with it and i was i was surprised because i think i was just like all right whatever and my my parents would have hated that they knew i had that when i was younger (laughs) because that game is very much a bloody rated m game oh yeah all the way but uh i think my my last one i want it to be a good one too like a like a honestly i'm gonna put out shovel knight (coughs) that's a very solid Shovel, shovel knight's amazing like I, I think, and you could probably everybody could probably say this, but Shovel Knight I think really reinvigorated the indie scene. Yeah, where like, it may not have been the one that really did it for the most, but it's the one I think that got like the general public to really go. Okay, so not every game has to be this big open world, sandbox, excellent graphic like fidelity and realistic looking whatever. It's like we can still make Castlevania type side scrollers, and it was like a really cool premise of like. It's Shovel Knight. His weapon's a shovel. You're like, wait, why? But then you're like, you play it, and you're like, this is cool. Yeah. Like, and then, the, then like, I, I've loved the content they get for that. Mm-hmm. Like, I have the Amiibos for Shovel Knight that I'm looking at, but, like, yeah, Plague Knight, King Knight. Uh, Spectre. Spectre. I was like, the Shadow Spectre. Yeah, Spectre. Like, the content was cool, and they each played different. Like, King's Knight was literally, like, a gambling minigame with some of us, too, and then Plague Knight was, like, boss rushes, and then Spectre Knight was, like, it's the Virgil of Shovel Knight. Yeah, basically. And it was so cool. And, like, it, like I really do think Shovel Knight was the reason you get games like Dead Cells and uh, My Friend Pedro and Stardew Valley. Well, I think Stardew Valley came before, but still, like... It definitely popularized indie for a lot of people. Because it, it's definitely the reason I went so hard into indies on the Switch. Like, the Switch has so many good indies. Yeah, I think... That, like, I love. Nintendo in general, once they saw the success of Shovel Knight, they were like, this is 
a path that we need to explore more. I mean, Nintendo has the indie world where like they only talk about indie titles, and exactly. then like Bright to No More Heroes, but Travis Strikes Again happened because Suda Fifty One was a huge fan of indies, mm-hmm. and he goes, "I want to make indie games in a No More Heroes game," and yeah. he did, and it was cool. Like that game gets some hate, but I love Travis Strikes Again just because of how bonkers weird it is. Yeah, I I actually love that game. I played through it with my sister. Um, she I forgot it was two player. Batman, or Badman, bad because copyright. But uh, well, wasn't his his daughter was Bad Girl, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it was just like, oh, what's Bad Girl's dad's name? Badman. But um, one of my favorite parts of that game is just unlocking the T-shirts from other indie games. Seeing Shovel Knight in that game was cool. Dude, Fury. Oh, dude, that's another really good game. Oh, why did I not put that in my top five? I play that game like every week. We can do an entire episode on indies and I would not be like... Top five indies or something? Oh, yeah. That'd be great. Hollow Knight's up there too. Shantae. Oh, Shantae, yeah. Have you played My Friend Pedro? I haven't. I own it because I'm a crackhead for switch games but i haven't if played uh if you if you have an xbox it's on game pass you should go download it if not it's like 15 bucks i already own it i'll just put the car i'm not talking in. to you <laughs> the 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 hopeful audience we might have but thank yeah, you one listener yeah the one guy listening now we have a couple a couple people who have said hey we're doing a podcast said oh let me know when it's out i'll listen to it i'm like everyone at work seems interested yeah a lot of a lot of my friends too so we'll at least have a baseline of like three people right but uh, no, yeah, they, my friend Peter's on Game Pass, and that's great. Like I, I got the double dip kind of because I bought it on the Switch because I saw a trailer for it on YouTube, mm-hmm. and anything Devolver does, I get like real excited for. Right. And so I saw that I'm like, all right, cool. It comes out, I buy it, and I'm like, this game's great. Like I've never felt like it's literally just the the way I can describe the game, and that's all you're gonna get is Banana John Wick. Yeah. And that's it. And if that sounds interesting, play it because it's great. But yeah, my friend Pedro's. I think we're gonna be like, oh, it's so good. I I've like Devil May Cry. Like that's a game I will go back and like S rank everything because it's so fun. Yeah, uh, my friend Joey is actually trying to S rank that game completely right now. Weren't they talking about developing a TV show out of it? I hope so. Oh, I hope so. That would be so fun because that's so weird. Like. Again, already it's just, hey, there's a talking banana who tells you, hey, go kill these guys. And you're like, all right, cool. Mm-hmm. Like, I'd love to see how that works for, like, a TV show. I'd hope it's animated, like, if anything. That would be great. Or just animate the banana. What was that? Oh, there was a movie. Uh, Not movie. It was a show. It might have been Amazon. Oh, the Netflix one. Um, it was the, the guy who, like, would see stuff. It was, like, happy or something, right? Yeah, yeah. Or, like, it was, like, the 3D thing. Yeah, the little unicorn dude. Yeah. Yeah, do that. I'd love to see That's my friend Pedro. Yeah, do that. Like, it's this guy who goes, why am I killing people? And then this banana goes, hey, hey friend, that's what we got to do. Because <laughs> I think the, the banana's voice, at least what they give him in the trailers, is literally this, like, deep kind of, like, hey, like, kind of voice. And I'm like, yeah, do that. Get Morgan Freeman to do the banana. I want I want Cal Drogo just to be the main character, just because. <laughs> I want Jason Momoa. That would be fantastic. Right, is there anything else you think we need to talk about? or? Uh, no, I think we're good to wrap it up for today. All right. Well, thank you for the few people who probably listen to this. Uh, 
we will hopefully have more soon. Uh, our schedules kind of conflict sometimes. Uh, but we will hopefully have, you know, more podcast content for you. Uh, we want to try to do this weekly. Um, we might double dip and record multiple episodes at once. We don't know yet. But we're going to try to get this all out, try to get out content, see, you know, see what happens and just have fun with this. So, uh, yeah, thank you for listening. And uh, remember to keep it sleazy. Yeah, that works. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>